Hi, I'm Melissa Italiano, founder of Melissa Natural Perfumes and your host for the With Intent podcast, where I'll be bringing you insightful conversations with everyday inspired people living with intent. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment and share. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Alice Pardo is a seeker, yogi, teacher, philosopher, and so much more. I was intrigued to interview Alice after entering into a deep conversation about the human body, mind, and spirit connection after one of Alice's classes here in Margaret River. Since the age of 11, Alice has been asking the big questions, and as a result has researched and acquired an abundance of knowledge fine-tuned her own intuition and knowing and used yoga as a tool to understand the human condition and connection to consciousness. I'm excited and honoured to welcome Alice Pardo. Welcome. So Alice, yoga is your passion and profession. Can you tell us a little bit about your yoga journey? Um, Well, I suppose the first time I ever did yoga was I was very young, my grandma taught me some yoga classes. That's the first time I ever heard the word yoga or knew that it was something you did. But the first time I kind of dabbled with yoga a little bit in um, my late teens, very early 20s. But, but it wasn't really until I went to an Ashtanga class. I actually signed up for an entire week's Ashtanga workshop and I didn't even know what Ashtanga was. And that's when I really connected to yoga. It was something I thought I wanted to do. It sounded like something that was kind of what I was seeking, um, a practice that was spiritual and um, something I could do. But it wasn't until I did Ashtanga that I was like, oh, this is it, this is right. It was so different to any other yoga I've done. And it was just a beautiful balance of breathing, moving, um, and I could see around the room, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, but, the, but there were practitioners around the room that were really advanced and their, um, their focus and concentration, they were, it was a self-practice. So everyone was doing these practices and some of them were very advanced and, and they were going inward, even though they were doing a physical practice. And you could see they were concentrating and in this moment, in this zone kind of place. And I just thought, yes, this is what I'm looking for. And I've been hooked ever since. Why, why yoga as a tool? Um, and, and do you think it's for everyone? Um, well, for me, like I say, from a really young age, I just felt like I was seeking some, the meaning of life, I think. If you'd asked me when I was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, what are you interested in? I, you know, I was, it was all things to kind of answer some burning questions. I didn't even know what the questions were, let alone the answers. And... So I think I was looking for something that would fulfill that feeling. It was more a feeling even than knowing what I was seeking. Um, but I think yoga doesn't have to be forever. It, doesn't, it wouldn't necessarily have been yoga. It's just that yoga was the first thing I found that really did achieve that sense of connecting. Um, and I think that any practice, when I look at other people who have dedicated themselves to something that they do whether it's an art a craft writing singing um, sports whatever it is something that they've dedicated themselves to 
you can either do it on that level or you can take it to another level where it becomes something that is connects you to a deeper level of yourself spiritually and it doesn't even have to be that it is obviously spiritual it's just that getting that connection to who you really are i think that is the practice and it seems to be that it has to be something you do really regularly to just daily come back to this sense of who you really are beyond all the chaos of your life um and so i think yoga worked for me in that way but it it, yeah, it doesn't have to be yoga. It could be any modality that that fulfills that that connection. So when you say um, connection and and getting back to who you really are, mm. um, who is that person? Who yeah, is that? That is the that is the one big main question we should all ask through our lives every day. Who are, who are we really? Beyond our jobs, our roles, whether we're parents, whether we're, you know, old, young, whatever we do, however much money we have. I think the, the main thing is, is reminding ourselves that we're not actually any of those external things at all. We're not any of the, the, the those things own us and, 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 and almost constrict us rather than us actually feeling who we really are inside. And I think that doesn't change. Or, you know, ask anybody, they'll say, I'm I feel the same as I was when I was 10 years old. I'm the same person. Nothing about me is the same, but I am inside I'm the same person. So who is that? If that person hasn't changed, who is that? And, you know, that's so interesting. And when you spend time, whether it's doing, you know, a spiritual practice, or, or even a physical practice or meditating, I think you have that time to reflect and you just feel that that feeling inside it's not even something you can um intellectualize it's just something that we can feel inside us that we when we spend time connecting to that we know that sensation of who you really are even if we can't put it into words even if it doesn't give us answers of um the meaning of life it doesn't matter actually it's just going back there going back there reminding ourselves and spending time with that inner person you know being yeah that can you doesn't change can you tell can you just try and describe that for you um, what that that feels for like? me it's it's uh it's it's that constant it's that feeling that you know when i was a small child playing for hours in my garden making mud pies and de building dens where you're just lost in that world of wonder and imagination and all of those things that that the we look back with fond memories of being a kid where we're just lost in that world. And then times for your life where you have that same feeling, maybe you're on holiday, maybe you're in conversation with people that you're really connected to, maybe you're doing something you're really fulfilled by, those moments where you're in the moment and your mind has kind of stepped out of the way a little and just allowed you to be rather than... Um, racing into the future, worrying about the past, mm. feeling guilty about things, uh, all of those things that, that, that land on top of who we really are and, and, and constrict us and blind us to everything. It's those moments when, yeah. And why do you think it's so, why is the modern world so, um, I guess, why is it so hard and why are we so addicted to the doing and the external and, and um, that feeling um, sometimes, and I'll speak from my own personal experience, um, 
until I started yoga, actually, I was very shut off from my feelings. So why, why is that happening? Why, why does it happen? Well, I think because we have such incredible brains that we are just completely absorbed by them and our brains, our minds are just completely take over because we can invent things and, and, and build a world in which we are um, achieving incredible external things and even if it's just an ordinary life we can still be looking for the next thing we need to buy or the next thing that's going to make us happy or the next country we have to travel to it's, it's all become very external and because we can think about it we can we can um, intellectualize everything even spiritual practices can become completely intellectualized and, and lose true feeling um, and I think that because we've got so caught up in our minds we forget that there's something else that we've we forgot to even think about who we really are behind that. You know, who's the witness to the mind? Who's the observer to all your thoughts? And the fact that there is an observer to your thoughts shows that we're not just those thoughts. We're something else. And so if we can get away from being caught up in our, our, our thinking and spend a little bit more time feeling and, and connecting inside, then we approach everything completely differently because we're not, we're not just following. The mind is, is never gonna stop. It's never gonna stop telling us that there's new things we have to achieve or analyzing the things we've done and then worrying about them and, and feeling guilty about them. There's this, the mind is never gonna give up, but all we can do is find a, a way, a practice or something that can give us a little bit of respite where we connect back into that, that more quiet part of us. And so then what, what role does the ego play? So if the mind is busy? Well, the mind is the, is the ego. The, okay. It can be called the ego mind. There's a lot of words to, to um, describe this play between um, the spirit, the soul, our, our higher self, our higher conscious, who we really are, and the mind, the ego, the controller, the chitter-chatter voice inside the head. So there's lots of ways, and it's good that there's lots of ways to describe it because... As humans, we love to pigeonhole things. And, and the, the, the less that we can completely pigeonhole something, the more space it leaves for us to have to ponder about it. And the more we ponder about things, the yes. more we figure it out for ourselves rather than being told. We love, we love to think, I know my opinions on this, that, and the other, and so I don't have to think about them anymore. I don't have to be open-minded because I already know what my position is on, on certain subjects. But actually, the less we do that and the more that we take everything in and, and see it and, and wonder about it, then the more open-minded, the more flexible our minds can become and the more possibility there is for then just becoming aware of the mind, that it's not, it's a really useful tool. It's a fantastic computer that keeps us functioning, but it's not who we really are. And, and the more we can observe that and separate the more that, we can feel that peace and feel that being in the moment and, and, and find more contentment in our daily lives. It's almost like we have to work harder to find that space and to allow that. Um, yeah. That, that well, it just shows us that there will never, if we follow how the mind wants us to live our lives, there will never be a point where we get there. We keep being sold this idea that if you keep doing this and work harder and faster and get more and do more and achieve 
your dreams, whatever those are, then you will get there, which means happiness. But actually, without all of those things, without any of the chasing, without any of the stuff, you that's where that that's where there is. It's it's right at the beginning. You had it when you were a child. You've had it through your life at certain moments. It's the the stuff that you're chasing that you think is going to make you happy is, is actually what's standing in the way. It's the clutter. And and that's why it's achievable for anybody at any time because we just have to slow down and and override the mind that's telling us we need to do all these things and that we're going to be judged if we don't do them and we have to say actually I don't need to I don't need to follow that madness I can sit in my garden with a cup of tea and listen to the birds and do nothing and I will be far happier than if I worked for hours so that I can buy the thing that I think is going to make me happy when I talk to lots of people who are on an inward spiritual journey, they, they've had a major trauma or something's forced them mm. to go inward. Um, is that yes. what you experience? Isn't it interesting? I think very often when something happens in our lives that stops us in our tracks, it's given us time. It's given us time to reassess everything. And the people I know that have had those kind of experiences, that's, the first time in their lives when they've started asking those big questions mm. who am I why am I here and why am I doing these things that I think are going to make me happy and are they making me happy sometimes we forget we get so caught up in the daily grind that we forget that it's actually all supposed to be because it's making us content inside and we forget that actually it's not very often and so I think a big trauma can be a blessing sometimes because it gives you that time to completely reassess and to be still. Sometimes a physical trauma means that you have enforced rest where there is nothing to do but just ponder. So when forced to be still and it gets uncomfortable, what are your tips for getting through these uncomfortable and almost overwhelming emotions and experiences that can come up? Being uncomfortable and not liking being in that position has developed over the lifetime of not ever practicing it. So you have to give yourself the time to say, this is something I need to practice, being sitting here with my feelings. And yoga and meditation and a lot of practices teach non-judgmental awareness. So just sitting there and having that awareness, this is how I feel, this is what my thoughts are, this is uncomfortable. I am, this is bringing up anger, whatever it is, sit there and observe them and know. I mean, I think initially you have to know that there is a you behind everything, behind all the things coming up in your mind. That's quite fundamental to being able to observe all of these things that come up because otherwise we, it brings up a lot of fear because you think, oh, I'm having all these feelings, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed. When, it, when you can start to detach a little and go well where is the pain or what is the thought and where is the feeling and it and can I still be me and observe that that's where we start to detach a little and so then we can allow more and more it's a practice you can allow these things to come up observe them sometimes they have fantastic insights for you there's gifts in there of of real moments of aha I've just understood something something's made sense to me and 
to sit there and allow that it's it is scary at first because we're always wanting to do something and fix something but to sit quietly and allow it to come up and happen in you especially when it can have a physical sensation in the body um, can be scary but it's just a practice like any other practice the more you do it the more it can can come and feel less um, overwhelming so um observe it allow it don't try and shut it down no and and don't feel like you have to let it all out in one go sometimes you know a few minutes of that is enough and and then you know okay that's enough like any practice you wouldn't go straight into lifting weights for two hours you'd do a little bit and and then walk away do some do distract yourself do something else and know that the mind it's a communication we're almost having with our own minds and our own feelings if we've not done it before it's it's a whole new language to be able to listen to ourselves and listen to what comes up and and not shut it down and judge it. Um, yeah, it just takes time and like anything, practice. So when do we start feeling reconnected? I think that happens naturally o- over time when we start when we start when when the traumatic things or or if there are no traumatic things when those things have gone and we're just comfortably sitting with ourselves then then that awareness starts to come and and we find that still place and I think that's why a physical practice is really useful in this way because the physical practice is occupying the body and the mind has to be engaged in order for the body to do what it's supposed to do and so there you are occupying the two major parts of your who you are and while they are occupied, the, the inner being, the one who is always still and always actually content, we just forget to ever connect to it, that has the space to then bring itself out a little. So you can see that within all of the drama, within all the everything that's going on, and within your own practice, there is this still, still place. And so where does our link to consciousness come into play? Well, I think that is consciousness. That is, that is who we really are. This unchanging, unaging, and depending on what you believe in, will be, be continuous through many lifetimes even. This idea that who we are is, will never change inside. But then who we are is just a small aspect of higher consciousness. So there, there is, whether you look at it from a scientific point of view, that there is an energy in the world. There is something, there is a vibration in atoms. There is, there is something greater that binds everything together. Um, we are all part of that too. And that, that the part of us that is unchanging is that greater thing. I believe that it's, it's all, it's all one. It's just that we have come into being so that we can experience. So that's what we're here for, I believe, is just to have experiences. From the highest level, there is no purpose. It's just pure bliss. It's just, conscious, just consciousness just wants to experience itself. And so it has come into creation so that it can experience itself. And that experience isn't necessarily supposed to be all good. It's all, any experience is valid, all experiences. In fact, it wouldn't be valid if we only had the good ones. So the good and the bad, the madness, the sadness, every, everything we experience is completely 
important to the whole play of the universe. So that's what we're here for. That's why we have bodies and senses and we can interact with each other and we can learn from each other and express emotions. It's so that it's, it's a one giant play. And I think that's on that level, it, it doesn't matter what we actually do. It's, it's, it's to have an awareness that we're here to experience it and not get too caught up in why or whether it's whether we all have to do good things or if we all have to do noble things it's just to be and 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 be joyous in that process but i think on a small individual level i think that well at the same time it doesn't really matter what we do it's it is how we do it it's it's our intention in doing in the doing we could have the most mundane job that has no social standing that isn't paid well that might not even be the job we want to do but we can change and choose our intention in doing that job we can do that job to the very best of our ability we could do that job with total commitment we could do that job with all the kindness that we could possibly put into something we could make that job the most special thing that we could possibly do because it's about it's about our approach and it's about our intentions to things and our connections and that's where it comes from the inside rather than the external so uh, this is so fascinating because um we are so much you know there's so much of our life that we spend achieving and trying to mm. goal setting and um, what's your approach then? So otherwise, you know, I, I guess I struggle with the fact that you could just sort of bliss out through life and, and bumble along and do yeah. nothing. Mm. Well, you could. And, and I think if you're not harming anybody and nobody is having to support you in that bumbling along, then nobody should judge you for that. If that's, if that's where your truth is, mm -hmm. if that's where you feel most content and happy because otherwise it's saying, well, only the high achievers in our society are of any value, which is completely untrue because mm -hmm. there are people who can't offer huge amounts to society for whatever reason. And it doesn't mean that they're any less pure, valid, beautiful beings than somebody who, you know, has 10 degrees and is, you know, a brain surgeon. It really doesn't matter. But at the same time, I see your point in saying, well, what's the point then? What, why should we even try? But then again, that comes back to intention. And maybe our intention is because we want to do something that we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And our passion might be being a brain surgeon. Our passion might be being someone who communicates with other people, but it might happen to be that the way they do that isn't a job that has huge standing. It, it doesn't matter. It's finding the thing that you feel is what you have to offer. Yeah, it's so simple. As soon as we take a moment to connect to somebody, have you ever been in a shop or been in an environment where you have just seen a stranger and for some reason you go, I love that shirt you're wearing or those are beautiful earrings for no reason, not because you need to pay a compliment, not because you'll ever see the person again. You're not giving them anything, respect, expecting a, something in return. And that person has been given a small gift of a compliment from a complete stranger for no reason. And you both go away feeling so much happier for something so small. These kind of connections can happen all the time. We can make a difference to people all the time. And that is what gives us a sense of connectedness. And that inside 
all of us, despite what we look like and what we do, we're all good, kind people just trying to get along, just trying to, just trying to survive in this crazy world. And the more we can remember that, uh, the happier we'll all be because we'll, we'll, we'll share that feeling. So as a um, mother, what's your advice to um, foster children, I guess more conscious children? Well, I think, like I said earlier, we, we always were, especially as children, we were in that state of so easily connecting to that, that inside of us that's still and content and, and, and playful. And so quite often as parents, we think that we have to do things to be good parents. We have to take our children to 10 different music lessons and make sure that they're learning four different sports and, and that their exam results are fantastic and, and mold them into something that society is going to respect because we're afraid that other people won't respect us. And, mm. you know, this completely convoluted, crazy society thing we've got going on. And actually, the more the parents can allow their children to be children, I think is such a fantastic gift. And just to nurture that, let the child lead the way and, and decide where their passions are and learn to listen to their and trust their own inner intuition. I think we beat it out of children, not physically, but emotionally, we beat it out of children that they can't, they can't be themselves or express themselves. And, and the more that we allow them in a kind, nurturing way, and obviously with the security of boundaries, I think the more that our children can then start to teach us how to connect into our inner being because they're far more connected than we are. They, they, they know their feelings. They know um, they have a great sense of truth. Yeah, we just don't allow our children to be the teachers of us. We're so worried that we're going to be judged if we don't teach them. So true. And it's often how we were um, parented as well, which yes. is which comes back to being conscious and, and being a non-judgmental observer of what we're doing because a lot of when we're parenting, we're just on a default program that we experience as children. And we don't always want to repeat that. Sometimes we're lucky enough to have fantastic childhoods, but we won't always. And sometimes there's a big mixture of, of both. Um, and we need to be able to observe what we're doing and how we're parenting and, and choose, actually choose which way and maybe be open to a way that we've never even considered. That quite often our children, especially these days, need parenting in ways that really has never been done before, I believe, because this world is so different right now to the, even yeah. the world that we grew up in. And I think parenting has to accommodate that and be really sensitive to that. I think we're not sensitive enough as parents. So what would that look like? Or what should that look like in your, in your, oh, your, your view? It would be a a beautiful two-way partnership where we allow children to teach us things and remind us of things and um, open our minds and our feelings because sometimes we've had to shut down we've learned to shut down our feelings and not connect to our emotions and so we try to impose that on our children whereas actually wouldn't it be great if we could learn to connect into how we feel by watching our children have tantrums or whatever it is that they're doing and go wow, they're, exp they're expressing something. Where does that come from? Just observe and wonder. And then how wonderful to be a child who had a parent that could spark interest or when you have 
found an interest or a passion that your parent is prepared to expand on that and use their adult skills to enable whatever that passion is and to support that and to allow it to change not just try and pigeonhole you and oh you're a creative one you've got to do this or oh you're you're an intellectual you must study this to, to, to just listen and respond to children and allow them to grow and change mm, and allow them to take the lead which is yeah so challenging because so we're the parent <laughs> we still have to prepare them for a society that's pretty crazy and and we want them to be well equipped with all the tools that they can deal with that um it's finding that balance again. Shifting from raising conscious children to the topic of death, what is your belief about what happens to us when we die? Um, well, I believe that we do have a spirit, a soul, high conscious, whatever you want to call it, whatever the name is, I don't know if it even has a name. I believe that, um, well, I believe that we, we do come back, we can choose, we do come back into a body if we have more things we need to learn and if there's more that we want to experience. But I think at a certain point, and certainly in yoga philosophy, there is this idea that um, when you reach a point where you really do experience the big picture, not just think about the big picture and wonder what is this all about. If, if you can ever have or come to a place where you have that experience, it really happens to you, then I believe that you can choose. I believe you can choose. You don't have to. We have this idea of karmic life. So we keep mm -hmm. coming back so that we have to learn the lessons from potentially past lives or, or just to learn things that experience things we want to experience. Um, but I think that there comes a point where we can possibly choose. And we might still choose to come back. Or we might not and then there's the next mystery what is beyond that i don't know so do we need to be in a state of enlightenment to be able to um in this human form to then have that choice is that your belief or no i don't think so but i think there is probably what happens and this is just me wondering thinking about this and and feeling you have a thought you ponder it over you feel like you digest it you see how it fits in the body and sometimes the feeling is like it, it stays there and you think well, maybe for me that's kind of what I think is true and so for me what I think is true is that um, we we can I don't know we can either have that experience in the body in this lifetime or in a lifetime or we can have it after we die I think there's a period of time where if everything has conspired in our lives to give us that. And I think it's not just up to us. Again, it's not something we're trying to achieve because there is something else at play and that has to be involved too. I think you can't just go, oh, I've got these certificates and I've done practice for this long and therefore I have earned enlightenment. I don't think it's like that. But I think there's, and you can call it grace. A lot of people say this, um, grace has to come into play. To, for you to have that experience but I think it can happen either in life or just after you die but I think after you die maybe if there is more learn to learn you get drawn back something draws you back back in to learn again to have another opportunity to maybe experience the same situations or similar situations to give you those opportunities to learn and grow which in the yoga philosophy is why it's so important to grasp those opportunities now you know if you have something in your life that you go gosh I have this pattern 
keep doing this over and over again. I find myself in this situation. I'm always coming up against bosses who are trying to um, control me and not respect me. Or I keep coming into a situation where um, I'm not honest in a situation and it has all these repercussions, whatever it is, whatever the drama is, if those things happen over and over, it's because we haven't maybe used that opportunity and learned the lesson and, 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 and seen the gift that was in that experience and learned from it. Um, so yeah, I think it's complicated and I, maybe there is no answer. Maybe it's, you know, and I like that there's not necessarily an answer because the, the point is to keep wondering. Yeah, we'll all find out, won't we? <laughs> Yeah, maybe we, maybe we don't find out. Maybe sometimes we go straight from one thing straight into another and it's just a cycle, like a washing machine, round and round, lifetimes after lifetimes, experiencing, experiencing until one day in a lifetime. Ah, maybe, yes. Maybe yes. you meet someone, maybe you hear a piece of music or maybe something just triggers this idea of what is this all about? Why, what are we here for? Yeah, I've never thought of it like that. I've always yeah. in, envisaged that there is this um, this space in between. Maybe our there lives is that we get. Maybe to. it wouldn't it be beautiful? This is. I mean, I would love if this happened. That after after you die, you have an amazing opportunity to reflect and go, "Wow, why was I like that? Why did I not do this?" And really learn from it. But something tells me that that's actually why we're having this exactly. experience. Something tells me that that would be that. Then, then what is the purpose of doing this in the body? That's right. Because we're manifest. We've manifest in the body. We've got all these fantastic tools that we forget that we could actually choose to use how we want to use, rather than just running along playing the rules of this crazy game. And we could we could be learning so much right now. We've got this fantastic mm. chance. Mm, Life is here. short. Right now, in any moment, you could take every opportunity, especially the bad ones, and they could wake you up. So in order to wake up and evolve through our human experiences, what are your tips for transforming in this lifetime? Become an observer, become become aware. Of, of everything Be, become an observer observer of your habits and your patterns and your conditioning and and wonder about everything why do i have this opinion where does this this thing that i always do that i wish i didn't do where did that come from and if it came from a parent or a teacher or a person that you know from your past what understand them where did they get it from don't don't just mm. write everything off as like oh well that person was bad and that created that and therefore i'm the victim and therefore i'm stuck with this follow it back follow it back to the place where you have complete forgiveness and there was no um there's no energy left in it it's just gone it's just yeah. left and you can go ah oh, that's that is that karmic cycle has gone now because I forgive that person or I forgive that situation or no one was at fault whatever it is it follows a thread all the way back and you might go back generations or you might just go back to an experience that was an accident and and forgive and clear up that experience and and then and do that with everything so many things we do with the way we communicate the way we um, our beliefs our values They've come from somewhere. So follow each of them back and wonder about every aspect of why we are what, the way we are. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of space. <laughs> yeah. 
taking all that time to review but so important and such and it good makes, advice it makes such every good advice. moment from that moment onwards makes every moment better because you communicate so much you're better. kinder to yourself you're you're kinder to other people yeah your whole vibration shifts mm. i just wanted to there is a you know self-care self-love it's a bit of a buzzword right now and and i believe it's justified um, but are we overcomplicating it? From what I'm hearing, is um, yes. Well, are they selling something, or are they saying that you're not self-caring enough right now? You have to change, or you're not loving yourself enough right now. You have to change. In which case, don't pay it too much attention. But if it's genuine, give yourself a moment. Forgive yourself know that you are okay as you are you don't have to change if it's those messages then yeah i think that's great and because then when we start with ourselves it's naturally going to overflow into other things one of the problems i really see in the world is that this idea of um, becoming aware of the self is actually the wrong self that we're becoming aware of. We're becoming aware of the image and we're becoming aware of the ego. And we are spending a lot of energy and time and money on, on building a persona and sharing that persona on social media. And then so all true. we're doing is actually separating from our true selves even more. I think what we need to do is be quite careful who this self is that we're caring for and loving and know that it's the, the one that is is damaged and broken and, and maybe not always happy and maybe not achieving what we want and still love that self, not just the one that's dressed nicely wearing makeup and got a new handbag. It's, sure. it's That's where we have to be careful. It's very easy to, to go down that, that wrong path and just moving further away from where we're supposed to be going. But if it's the true self inside that we're, we're learning to become friends with that in fact self-love is should it that's an extreme word love is a real love is a big word and contentment and kindness are much more subtle words that we can't really take to an extreme so be content in yourself and be kind to yourself and those i think are much easier to achieve and don't we don't need to change in order to achieve that so i think that's the most important thing and then when we're content with who we are and we're kind and we're forgiving that that will naturally flow over to other people because we'll forgive other people and know that they're just trying to be kind to themselves and to each other and to be content and we're not trying to beat the other person to the perfect lifestyle that we're all okay as we are right now and we and what role does money play in all of this in, in, it's in, just a tool it's just a tool i think and it can be used for some incredibly fantastic things it can also be used for some incredibly terrible disastrous things and i think unfortunately because money holds such value in our society um, it also comes usually with a lot of power and power power is something that takes people out of balance Mm -hmm. because one person can have more than another and then we're then we're not seeing each other as equals and we're not sharing that sense of connection and unity so i think money can be very damaging but i think it doesn't have to and i think it 
shouldn't hold the place of value that it does. It's just a way of exchanging energy. And that energy exchange isn't always fair. So I think that's what we have to look at, I think, is, is, um, is a sense of fairness and that the person in front of you is no better or worse than you are. And so everything should be equal. But that's never going to wash it. <laughs> we can always dream. We can dream. <laughs> exactly. I see a very balanced, joyful, youthful, responsible Alice Pardo. How do you live a balanced life? It's kind of like a headstand. So when you're in a headstand, even when you've been doing it for 20 years, and you balance pretty well, there's always little movements, tiny movements, backwards and forwards, adjusting, wobbling, correcting, recorrecting. It's just that the corrections are small and we don't overbalance and I think that that is how I try and see my life I'm not trying to stay on this perfect path I'm I'm just trying to make the fluctuations smaller so that I'm not mm. doing anything too much of an extreme and I, I and any extreme is unhealthy being healthy to an extreme is unhealthy being being um kind to others can be unhealthy if you're forgetting about yourself like this this any extreme is bad and I, so i think everything that old saying everything in moderation is 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 a really important thing to remember and when you're naturally in a place where you're content you naturally don't want to do things that are going to take you out of that state so you naturally don't want to go out and go wild at a party and drink until six in the morning because you naturally know that you're not going to feel very well. Yes. And it's not something that we have to impose on ourselves anymore. And equally, if you do go to a party, you can enjoy yourself and not feel guilty because you're not trying to impose something strict on yourself. And it's a slow journey. It's like any practice, you just slowly evolve. And they, they come from thousands and millions of little tiny decisions each decision which is this does this feel good is this taking me in a direction of being content and being happy in and healthy and all of those things or is it something that is taking me further away or is it something that I'm doing because I don't feel good about something else so I'm going to compensate and react by going to an extreme and so we all have lots of little choices and I think over time, you just find that as soon as you start thinking about these things, you, they, they natu it naturally happens. I have one more question. As I look out at your magical garden and am aware you spend a lot of time nurturing and enjoying the beautiful smells it delivers, what role does scent play in your life? Like anything, there are there are certain things that have the magic of being able to place you very quickly back into that space of being connected. And scent can do that. It, 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 the memory we have for smells is, in, is incredible, as you know. And certain scent can just transport us out of our mind and straight into a place of feeling. And that's where, that's where, that's why we call things gut feeling because it's 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 that's our truth that's our real mm. that's an important powerful part of us is that um, sense of feeling and scent can take us straight to feeling and bypass the brain completely 
Um, it can connect us to memories, it can connect us to a sense of place or belonging. Um, and it can, it can transport us straight into that magical world where we are in the moment, but we're also free at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think Beautiful. that, um, you know, being in a garden where you're surrounded by those natural scents where, where um, it's like it's a direct communication with nature. With, and what is nature? You could call it Mother Earth, Gaia, Goddess, the universe, whatever it is, but there is, it doesn't matter what the name is, it's that connection to something greater than us that doesn't have to be labeled. And um, being in that garden and centers like it's worth talking to you. And that's why I love, I love being in that space where, you know, I've, I walk down the garden past the wisteria and I smell is amazing and there's the honeysuckle smells amazing get into my veggie garden and, and there's all those smells of all the, the herbs and the things growing mm. and um and you're feeling amazing while you're smelling yeah, them aren't you because you're, you're you're feeling and you feel timeless because you're connected to that first time you stood in your grandparents rose garden and the smell just captured you or the first time you know you you stood by the ocean and you smelt that salty spray yeah. air I, I, and i i think that that getting ourselves out of our body and our mind into true feeling is is it's key it's, it's a really useful tool to to get us into that space well alice thank you so much you've provided some very interesting views and reminders on how to live more consciously I really enjoyed our conversation and look forward to our next yoga class. Namaste and thank you so much.